Hello, welcome to Backflips and Nerds, the baseball podcast with the British Twist. I'm your host, Tom Pringle, and tonight I'm going to be joined by Darius Austin. How are you, Darius? I'm doing very well, thanks, Tom. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I think I've got a cold coming, but I, I, I'm good. I'm fighting through. Um, I've got a day of standby at work tomorrow, so I can escape the family for one night, which is fantastic. And we know you deal very well with illness. So. Ah, so good. Yeah. Um, I think I was planning my funeral last time and starting <laughs> to give away on my Padre stuff. So, um, yeah, I still haven't got all that back yet. Still trying, but um, yeah, never mind. Um, we uh, we haven't got John here tonight. Um, he's watching, what was the band called? Was it Burke or something? <laughs> it was Beak and then it had literally, I mean, it was, a, you know, a triangle bracket, but it was supposed to be a Beak after the word Beak. I believe oh. it was all in capitals as well. I did not even twig that. I thought it was a greater than sign, which is why I said straight away, is that a greater than well, sign? Well, I mean, I mean, perhaps they've set it up so there's double meaning, also meaning that Beak are greater than all the other strange bands that John watches. I don't know. Yeah, because if you listed them all, like in a, 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 a billing, and they were at the top, you could have Beak greater than, and then everyone else would be listed below them. It only works when they get themselves to the top of the bill, though, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it was just greater than and then they're the last one on the bill that's pretty miserable um we haven't got ben tonight either um he was going to be available but unfortunately he can't make it anymore um, i think he was sort of limited with his time um but yeah you've got us two instead so um what we're going to do is talk about some brilliant things been happening in baseball so far which is um nothing so that's the show so thanks for coming that's uh two minutes you've saved your life um no clearly we are going to talk about some stuff there's not a lot been going on as we all know it's a very stagnant off season um i did end up just opening up the mlb uh trade uh, transactions list just to try and find some interesting tidbits um there was a few things that i'd completely forgotten like the fact that we had the clayton kershaw whirlwind as much as it was of willie won't he sign and and stay with the dodgers and he did so that that didn't last very long um, I think that was done by in November. And I did also notice on the uh, 1st of November, and let me get my days right on this one. I'm sure it's the 1st of November. Um, uh, this is great podcasting. Uh, <laughs> it might not even be the 1st. Anyway, there was, there was one date on the MLB transactions where um, the Twins announced the retirement of catcher Joe Maurer. And then two days later, they announced the retirement of catcher first baseman Joe Maurer. So I'm not sure what happened there. I don't know if he like came back for a day and they went, no, no, actually I am going to go. Or whether they just went, no, no, we're just getting rid of the eligibility, eligibility of first base for him and definitely saying he's going. So yeah, there's not, there's not been a huge amount. There's been some Depoto trades and various. Um, but what we're going to start with tonight is talking about um, Ken Rosenthal and his, his article on The Athletic, uh, which came out today. Um, and the title of the article is Three Batter Requirement for All Pitchers, uh, Universal DH Part of Proposals That Could Bring a Big Change to Baseball. Now, for people that haven't read it, we're just going to break it down a little bit and chat through some parts of it. But essentially, the, the headline there is the fact that um, we're going to be talking about three batters um, per pitching, per pitcher. So they have to stay in um, for at least three batters. So you're going to get rid of this, um, as it describes in the article, um, a opener coming in like Wade Miley during game five of the uh, NLCS and um, coming in to just face one hitter and then disappearing from the game. So that, that will disappear. And we'll come into a bit more of the technicality 
technical parts on that as well to show that teams can't get around it. And obviously the universal DH, which um, as regular listeners will know, I've been against the DH in the NL for many, many years. Um, I think it's time for me to stop this charade and go, yes, just get DH throughout the league. Let's just do it. It's just silly, isn't it? I I do remember my argument trying to say that, um, yeah, extending the careers of the likes of Joey Votto would be a complete waste of time because pitchers hitting is so much more fun. I think it's time to give it up completely. So um, we'll go through the article then uh, and chat about some various bits in there. So let's find the first part then. Uh, A universal designated hitter, something that the players have sought for more than three decades, according to Commissioner Rob Manfred, also was part of the union's proposal. Uh, under the plan, the National League would adopt the DH for the 2019 season. So, first of all, Darius, what are your thoughts on the DH going to the NL? Well, it's uh, this is going to make somebody mad, no matter what I say, really, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you've got the traditionalists, and they like the, the NL, and obviously that's how baseball used to be played, and I think there is something to the idea that, you know, <laughs> everyone on the team be asked to do everything but that's not really how it works um we don't ask everybody to pitch although you know as as otani has shown us it it can be done uh that would be fun uh it's a bit strange for with two leagues having two different sets of rules and i do think that as we saw with until last year the al basically won interleague play every single year the nl teams were kind of at a disadvantage there just because their rosters weren't set up with that dh player uh to to give them an extra bit of offense so yeah, I don't really have like a super strong take on it. That's probably going to offend everybody, isn't it? I haven't got like a I'm <laughs> super pro DH. It's pretty standard for you, though, to be fair, just to sit right in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I understand why people want to kind of keep the old style, keep that link. But baseball has, has always changed. You know, they used to be seven balls for uh, a walk. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, games would take forever. Um, I did. I did like that in the Effectively Wild episode as well, where they're talking about um, if you got hit by pitch, that just counted as a ball. Like, it, it didn't. You didn't go to first base. It's just like, yeah, we'll just hit you. It's fine. Yeah, if you want to walk, you imagine we'll just the hit re- you seven times. Then, no, I can plunk somebody and not even uh, send them to first base <laughs> seven times. <laughs> chaos. So many injuries. Yeah. So I, I can see that argument. Um, to be honest, pitchers are also really, really terrible at hitting. Otani aside, yes, Madison Bumgarner sometimes hits a few dingers. Yes, Michael Lorenzen fancies himself as a two-way player, but these are the exceptions that prove the rule. Pitchers cannot hit. They don't even try anymore. Most of them just go up there and hope that you know they're going to get a walk or at least get the opposing pitcher to waste a couple of extra pitches that they might not have thrown. Uh, it's generally not exciting. So I think, to be honest, I'm not going to lose too much sleep if the, uh, the DH comes to the NL. Uh, but I do think that there's no way that this is going to happen this season as, as something uh, some reports have been implying. Um, I think this is just a bit of a bargaining back and forth between the MLBPA and uh, the commissioner's office. And, and we'll see if this does happen. It, it won't be until 2020 at the earliest. Yeah. So if I go in reverse for your points there, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen this year. It can't though, surely, as we were discussing just before we started. Um, you've got teams that are setting up their rosters now. And yeah, fair enough, we're still waiting for Machado and Harper. But you've got teams that are setting their roster and there could be teams out there. They've got somebody who can slug, who's a fairly decent hitter, but on an NL team, this is. But they just don't have the roster space for them. So they've had to get rid of them. And then, well, prime example, tell you what, would be... Um, uh, Christian Villanueva for the, the Padres, who could really slug. He was good at hitting, 
but he wasn't very good at anything else. So they've they've let him go off to Japan, I think it is. Um, like they could have kept him as a DH. He would have been decent as a DH. Um, I think someone like uh, Framil Reyes for the Padres again would be good as a DH. So if you're going to throw this rule in, you, you can't do it now when teams are setting their rosters. Like you say, you've got to give them a decent amount of time to do it. Um, going back to pitchers hitting, yes, it, it it's fun, it's enjoyable, when I mean, it does happen, it's exciting, it's great fun. Um, I suppose it's like catchers stealing a base, that's also great fun, but it doesn't happen that often. Um, so you know, it's it's a see. And then going back to your first point about them being different leagues, having different rules. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be difficult if. Um, sorry, it'd be. No, I think it'd be even harder if there was no DH at all and they were just trying to implement it across both leagues. I think that would be the one that it hits the traditionalists. They'd be the ones that would really be fighting hard on that one. And do you know what? I think a lot of the casual baseball fans would be as well because they'd be like, why, why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Um, I suppose the only real comparison for us as Brits is uh, just bringing it into cricket, for example, and saying, well, when you get down to the bottom of your lineup, the, the bottom of um, your your batters, you don't go into your pitchers, uh, pitchers, bloody hell, bowlers. You then go back to the top of the lineup again and just rotate through that. You just the pit, the um, the bowlers don't even hit. Um, it just be a bit strange. And, and again, the traditionalists have really clamped down on that, and they wouldn't be particularly happy. Um, but I think if you look at the NFL, I mean, they've done a hell of a lot of rule changes, which has not gone that well most of the time. Um, you look at the NBA, you look at NHL. They all make regular rule changes, and these rule changes to try and counteract some of the strategies that are going on. Now, there's nobody who's employing pitchers apart from the Angels who are going to be able to hit. Um, so you're not really trying to counteract a strategy, but what you're trying to do is encourage the... You want to get the union on side, essentially, don't you, to encourage these older guys to keep playing. And if they're trying to get the union on side for one thing, what a baseball want to take away in a different area? That's That's the thing that concerns me more than anything. Yeah, there's always back and forth of this, and you know these sides are just using various things as bargaining chips, um, and you know we, we don't know, and we don't always uh, see what the consequences are going to be of certain things. I think everybody pretty much agrees that the MLBPA have kind of been outmaneuvered in recent uh, bargaining agreements, and I think they're probably going to try and gain some ground back now. But uh, as we've been talking about this offseason quite a bit, it's probably going to lead to a pretty thorny negotiation next time around uh, in in a couple of years' time. Do we know when it is? It's 2021 or 22? I think 2021 it expires, yeah. Good. So that's just when all the major top prospects for the Padres are coming through. So they will be um, the modern day Expos. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's have a look then. Uh, what else does it, uh, Rosenthal go on to? Ba, 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 ba. If no agreement is reached, collective bargaining agreement empowers Manfred to unilaterally implement three elements he formally proposed last year. So these are some other things that may come in. Um, according to sources, a 20-second pitch clock, a reduction of man visits from six to five, and placing a base runner on second base in spring training games and the All-Star game when the score is tied after the 10th inning. Um... Pitch clock, I'm not completely sold on. I don't like the ideas of trying to rush pitchers, but then I think I don't really know what the average time is for pitchers. I don't know if you happen to know it, Darius, because you're just a font of knowledge, or if you're able to get that information. Um, I believe it's closer to about 25 seconds, but Fangraphs does have this information. So okay, I'll fair enough. Tell you. I, 
I mean, there are ones that are clearly taking the piss and taking way too long. Um, and some pitchers don't need that long, so it won't be a problem for them at all. But I, my concern is pitchers having to rush something um, and maybe losing that communication between them and the catcher. I don't know what happens with the pitch clock or what the proposals are with the pitch clock. If they lose their comms between each other, does does it get paused or is it just, no, That's you've run out of time, it's a ball and that's that? I think that might count as a mound visit if you, you know, you can say, well, I'm right. not going to pitch now, but obviously they're going to limit those as well. Uh, Fangraphs has 24.1 seconds as the average pace okay. of pitches last season. So it wouldn't surprise me if they put it up to something like 25 um, to try and just creep over the average. I think it'd be fair to those that do just, just go over 20 seconds to now suddenly have to do 20 seconds. Um Man visits, I seem to remember at the start of the season, there was a lot of graphics and commentators getting excited about it. Oh, there's a man visit. We'll take that off the total. And it gave you this little number and it counted down slowly. And that graphic disappeared after about two months because no one was really getting to the the, the zero limit. Um, I, I Fine. Doesn't really bother me. Six to five. You Are you dead against it, Darius? Six to five visits? <laughs> It seems like a fairly insignificant change. I don't, I don't know where they're pulling these numbers from. If they've somehow decided that that's like the the straw that broke the camel's back when it when it gets to six, and everybody's <laughs> had enough. Um, and every now and again, you'll be watching a game and the catcher keeps running out. I think Wilson Contreras is a catcher who does this a lot. Sometimes you'll just want them to get on and play, and the catcher will be coming out there like every three or four pitches. You know, if it's a high stress inning, he's constantly talking to the pitcher. Uh, you know, maybe just even trying to disrupt the batter's rhythm just keeps going out there and you're just like, get on with it. It's like after the kickoff, you know, in the NFL and they go straight to the advert break afterwards. And you're like, come yeah. on, I wanted to watch some baseball and I'm just watching <laughs> people chat on the mound. But for the most part, you don't really notice mound visits that much. It, they just happen, you know, once every now and again. Uh, and it, like then they get on with the game and it's fine. And, you know, the commentators chat a bit and, and that's it. So I don't know that it's going to be a, a particularly significant change either. I think maybe because I've been watching quite a lot of Padres games, I don't mind it because um, Mark Grant and uh, Don Osillo are fantastic and they've always got some sort of silly game or silly chat going on. So whenever there is a man visit, it's quite nice. And clearly the Padres have quite a lot when they're changing pitches quite often. Um, I, 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 I'm not really that bothered. Um, the game is the length that it is and I enjoy that. I think all this rush to try and speed up the game for by a minute at a time in certain areas, it doesn't really bother me. And the feeling I get on Twitter, and clearly it's only a certain focus that you're looking at at that place, is that people aren't really that bothered. Um, I think extra innings is probably the only one that bothers people. But as we've seen before, when West Coast goes to extra innings, we love it because you wake up and have breakfast and get to watch some baseball. Whereas I think most of America are fed up of that sort of thing and want to go to work the next day and feel refreshed. Um, yeah, it, this sort of stuff is just dragging me down a bit. It seems like MLB are just trying to get this in, even though no one's really that fussed. I can't imagine the players are too fussed about the man visits coming down. I can't imagine it's going to be a big bargaining chip for the MLB. Yeah, I think uh, there's definitely a factor here. And uh, something I will bring up, is a piece of uh, research that, that Grant Brisby did um, a couple of years back. Uh, and he basically found, like, people say, oh, it's the adverts or, yeah, it's the mound visits or whatever it might be that makes the games take longer. It is actually pretty much the time between pitches uh, that, that Grant found. Like, pitches just used to work faster. There yeah. weren't, like, all these, you know, long times where they were warming up. They weren't taking as long between different pitches. 
Um, and obviously there are way more pitches in a game than anything else. You know, you can say, oh, we're going to have advert breaks five seconds shorter, but there aren't that many advert breaks compared to how many pitches there are. And if the pitch clock means that every pitcher pitches four seconds faster and you have 300 pitches in the game, you've got way more time off your game. So I, I think there's something to that and there's probably other implications to do with injuries and things like that, that, that maybe the pitch clock would be bad for. But certainly pitches did used to work a lot faster than they do now. And that's why games were so much shorter in the past. Um, maybe it's just because we get to watch games at six o'clock in the evening and we're quite happy to just watch them until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night if they extend. And it's not we're really like, an issue. Yes, there's us. some baseball on at a time we can watch. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe if you're in America and you're trying to, you know, I don't know. But then I'm trying to think, like, if, even if you've got a day game and it's one o'clock, you'd be, if you're finishing work, you'd be quite happy if it's extended and you won't be able to watch it so far. I don't know. Maybe it's just those West Coast games that extend and it just drags people down. I think we've probably all been in the situation. I'm sure there are lots of people listening who've been in a situation where you're like, you want to go to bed and it's like <laughs> the middle of the eighth. And you're like, can I watch another inning and a half of this? Because I've got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Like I think, I, I think maybe that that would help us a little bit as well. Yeah, I I, I think you're probably right. I, I think I'm in my little bubble here, and I'm <laughs> I'm in I'm in bed by ten, half ten at the very latest. Um, a because I'm so rock and roll and uh, incredibly <laughs> boring, and but also because I'm generally just knackered of chasing around two kids most of the day. So I think I'm thinking about my little bubble. But yeah, like like you say, there are people that will watch that ten o'clock start, and then they'll be thinking, I really hope this is done by half past midnight, one o'clock, because then I can get myself to bed. And when, like you say, it's it going into the sixth inning and it's midnight, you think, oh shit, this is going to be a long one. Um. Yeah, so the, the current proposal includes one slight modification from the above provisions, uh, reducing man visits from six to four in 2019 and four to three in 2020. Uh, three would be interesting. Um, sometimes if a starter's having a rough start, you're going to get three in the first inning. So that would be interesting. I can't remember what the, the penalty is. Doesn't it, it, it just automatically send the hitter to first base? Yeah, I honestly don't know what the penalty is either. Did, did anybody break it? I don't I don't think I so. I seem to, is it is it just a ball added or does someone get to first straight away? I can't remember now. And I feel like yeah, it might have been an automatic ball, maybe at least on the first violation. But it's I mean once you've done now when it's six, once you've done your six, is every single visit after that a ball? I assume it would be. Yeah, I would have would have thought so. Are you are you scouring for the um rules right now? I'm, I'm looking for the rules right now. There is a pitch clock Wikipedia entry. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for the punishment of a ball awarded to the batter, if not followed, that's what they've done in the minors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's the pitch clock there. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's the same thing with the mound visits. Yeah, just a ball added. So once, once you've done your three, well, in 2020, this is once you've done your three, that's it. They're going to start adding a ball to every time you visit. Which for me, it's like if you've if you've been given a red card in football, you may as well just um, you know wallop the play you've just tackled and got a red card for because you've already got a red card. You're already going off, so get your money's worth. So if you get, if you're going to use those man visits, you may as well just get your money's worth. Um, I found the story about man visits last year. Okay. As far as discipline, the umpire is empowered to enforce the rules up to and including inject, ejection from the game. Oh wow! Um, so it sounds like the umpire can do what they want uh which you know might just be that's a ball or it might be i've had enough of you <laughs> doing repeated mound visits you're out of the game 
I'd, I'd have loved it if I, I don't ever remember a team breaking it or ever reading about a team breaking it but um I'd love it if the umpire just ejected both of them the catcher on the pitch just there and then gone next <laughs> Uh, it does also mention if the uh, pitcher and catcher get crossed up um, that they they can request to the umpire that they can make a brief mound visit. Okay, so, so. if if as in if the cross ups happen, as in the pitch has been delivered, and it was like that was not what I was after. Rather than them trying to get the signal across, him going, "Oh, I'm not really sure mm. what we're talking about here when it comes to a cross up." Uh, doesn't really it did not have a shared understanding of the location or type of pitch that had been signaled by the catcher so i don't right. know if it's saying that they screwed one up and then he will say right you're allowed to go and have a mound visit or if he's saying that the catcher's there going i don't think the pitcher knows what i'm talking about can i go and talk to him it does, doesn't yeah. specify i think you're you'd be able to bend the rules quite handily there like the catcher could have some sort of little signal that says I'm going to give you a signal. You say you're confused, and then we get to have a man visit. If you do it beforehand, I think you're going to have to throw a pitch, which obviously has its own perils with it as well. Yeah, I, I don't think man visits are the problem. I, I'm, I'm with Grant on this one. I think it's definitely stop players hanging around between pitches if you uh, want them to get on with the game. I don't think cutting down man visits is going to save a lot of time. Yeah. What's your, what's your thoughts on the fact that... Um, well, the average, as we've just discovered, is 25 seconds. What are your thoughts there? The fact that you're now going to start rushing some pitches. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because you you don't really get to see it happen, do you? It's not something that gets enforced. So it's hard to know how pitches will react. It, it might actually help some players rather than thinking about it too much. Um, they obviously yeah, can fun. do it. They did it for many years of baseball history. I think the the game that Grant compared it to was in 1984. So it's not like we're talking about you know, Walter Johnson or Christy Mathewson or something, you know, from the early 1900s. Yeah. Um, guys in the 80s were pitching much faster than they do now. So I think there's a lot bigger focus on injury now. And maybe we would find that that's a problem. But uh, I think until we see it enforced, and I, I don't think there's been a lot of trouble with players doing it in the minors so my suspicion is that it probably wouldn't be that big a deal for most pitches in the majors um, but maybe guys who have been there for 10-15 years you know I think Justin Verlander was the slowest uh, pitcher by pace the uh, slowest qualified starter anyway by pace last year whether he would be all that pleased with somebody saying right you've got a pitch seven seconds faster each pitch now Justin I don't know whether he'd go for that yeah um, I think there's there's also an argument of those pitchers in the 80s probably weren't at their absolute limit of their bodies whereas i think humans are getting closer and closer to the limits thanks to advancing technology and stretching and massaging and training i think the bodies are getting so much closer and you've got to be that that more careful with them um so that yeah. that'd be my only counter to that really yeah i think you know once jordan hicks has thrown his 105 mile per hour fastball, yeah. maybe it's not that safe to say okay jordan do that again in, in the next 15 seconds you <laughs> know yeah Let's hope your elbow doesn't blow it. <laughs> um, so uh, we've got another one here then. So it says um, it also includes an expansion of rosters from 25 to 26. Uh, I'm guessing the MLBPA are going to be very happy with that in 2020 with an accompanying reduction from 40 to 28 in September. I can't imagine the Players Association being too chipper about that one. Although, as I said in the Slack chat earlier today, I'd be quite happy to see that. Uh, my initial thoughts are straight away, get those rosters reduced for September. Um, 
I've seen a lot of fans complaining, <clears throat> especially if they haven't got a deep um, minor league system, that when it comes to those expanded rosters, if they're not in the playoff hunt and they're not that, not really cemented that league, uh, that division championship or um, a wild card slot, they're not going to do it at that point because some teams with deeper um, minor league systems are just going to throw 40 guys up there, or sorry, another 15 guys up there and just overtake them just through a war of attrition. Um I don't know what your thoughts were, Darius. You didn't really respond to my message. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tom. You send a lot of messages on Slack. Sometimes it's difficult. <laughs> like, there's six things to respond to here. Um, I think the the players that it's going to affect the most are like those marginal guys, the guys who get the cups of coffee. You know, maybe most of their major league playing time is going to come in September when rosters are expanded and when you're on the kind of wages that minor leaguers are. That actually makes a lot of difference financially. So your Vlad Guerrero's, your Eloy Jimenez's, it's not going to matter to them. They're going to be the guys who get called up anyway, who are going to have long major league careers. Um, but I think those more marginal guys who are, you know, hoping to be in the major leagues, that matters for pensions. Yeah, that matters for, for salaries. Uh, so I think being on the 40 man does get you more money, but it doesn't get you as much money as, as being on the actual major league roster. So I think those are the guys who are going to be really hit by something like this. Um, I think it will certainly help to, uh, stop some of those interminable games where you're seeing nine different pitches used and the lineups getting rolled out there towards the end of the season that are just full of guys you've never heard of. Um, because you know, teams have just given up or they're already in the playoffs and they're they're trying to rest everybody um, whether we want to take that away or not I suppose is a, a different question altogether but I think in terms of actually watching games with with high quality players I think it would obviously help with that kind of thing because teams wouldn't have the luxury of just saying oh you know what we can give seven people a day off today because we've just got these extra uh, 20, 15 people we've called up yeah I was gonna I was gonna mention Terence Gore but of course he's now got major league contract so He's, the likelihood is he's going to be there anyway, so he won't need that call-up. But yeah, I think it's quite a strange one. It's a difficult one. I think that's going to be a, a really difficult sell for um, uh, baseball to the MLBPA to try and encourage this reduction. I mean, it's not it's not like they've said 40 to you know 35 and then 30 a year later or something. They're, they're seriously reducing it. 40 to 28 is a big chunk. And bearing in mind that would only, in the proposal, if it goes up to 26 players in the roster, that would only increase it by two players come September time, which will make it very, very interesting. Um, and we've seen in the past where that's where starters start to get a bit more time off, but especially for those teams that are, that almost cemented their positions. They're starting to give starters their time off and keeping one eye on the postseason, but they're not going to be able to do that. They might be able to bring up you know one or two more starters, but it's going to be a difficult one for them, so It'd be an interesting one to follow. Um, so the Associated Press previously reported that baseball also has proposed increasing the minimum time a player spends on the DL uh, and, amounts, and amount of time an option player spends in the minor leagues um, from 10 to 15 days. So essentially returning back to the old DL time of 15 days. Um, I think it was the Dodgers who sort of played on this quite a lot last season. And I seem to remember them doing it the season before as well. They were utilising it quite a lot. Um, just throwing players onto the DL for 10 days and giving them a bit of a rest and then dragging them back up again. But I suppose that's where that minor league depth comes in that we're just talking about as well. Because if you look at the likes of uh, the Orioles and maybe the Rays, and uh, not that the Rays are a bad team, but their depth isn't quite the same. I don't see them really doing that sort of thing. Um, Was it, for your knowledge, was it anyone other than the Dodgers that were really capitalising on this? I think the Dodgers have 
very quickly gained the reputation as the team which abuses, if you want to say that, this rule the most. Um, and they very deliberately tailored their strategy towards it. They had all that extra money. Uh, when the new ownership group took over, you saw them signing guys like Brandon McCarthy, like Brett Anderson, like Rich Hill, who have been very good when they're healthy and often are not healthy. And so they kind of created themselves some high quality replacements that way and, and gave themselves the opportunity to kind of cycle these guys in and out. Um, and, you know, yeah, oh, you needed that 10 days off, Rich, that's fine. We'll just stick you on the DL, get ourselves a roster spot, bring somebody else into the rotation, no problem. Um I believe the time the option player spent in the minors was always 10 days. So I guess this is just uh, an effort to make teams think twice uh, about sending guys down because they are going to have to wait. You can't have all these guys. I think something that the Rays certainly have done um, with the, the opener and having this small creative approach to uh, pitching is cycled these guys in and out of AAA. You know, they want lots of guys with options who can fill in. Maybe they only pitch 30, 40 innings a year, but they're there all the time at AAA that you can call on them. Um, so this would kind of mean you have to be a lot more careful. You can't just send a guy down and know that you'll get him back in a couple of turns. That's a, a whole extra go through the rotation. Would limit the flexibility quite a lot over the course of the season, I think. So they're obviously trying to think of ways to, to force teams into using fewer pitches and, and maybe try and think a little bit more about how they can preserve them rather than just playing matchups whenever they can, bringing all these pitching changes in, uh, doing the kinds of things that we have seen obviously do make the game take longer because when you have these mid inning pitching changes, uh, I think that's the thing that, that really gets people when, you know, you start an inning and a guy gets a one pitch ground out and then out comes the manager. Bruce Bochy loves to do this, the mid inning pitching change. <laughs> play the matchups uh, and you're you're still sitting there 20 minutes later and you know nobody's got on base but you've still uh, <laughs> still had three pitching changes um again i think it's another hard sell to the mlbpa because if you just said you you know leaving guys down in the minors for a little bit longer i know they're still going to get their salary but it's still going to affect their quality of life then bouncing around the place um, and having to stay down there a bit longer I think it's going to be a difficult sell again. And everything at the moment seems to be, apart from when it's not Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, it seems to be about labour issues and all coming up to this CBA in 2021, which is still two years away. But there's still so many concerns about it. And it, and it just feels like Major League Baseball are putting yet more rules in or suggesting more things to adjust it which is going to affect the players. And for them, and rightly so, they're going to be thinking about themselves. They're not going to be worried about whether the Dodgers are, are manipulating the system or not. They're going to be thinking about themselves. And to be honest, I don't really blame them. Um, so it's an interesting one. I, I'm not sure I'm on board with it, but I kind of get why they're doing it. Well, I think uh, the other thing we've seen with the MLBPA is that they obviously don't care about minor leaguers. It's, it's not for minor leaguers. It's the Major League Baseball Players Association. And so this might actually help some of those guys who, you know, otherwise might be more marginal types because teams are not going to be able to just cycle in so frequently. Maybe there there is a little bit more appeal to those those fringier guys um, who they kind of have to keep on the roster. Uh, you know, at, at the moment, maybe teams are shying away from those types. I think certainly teams like the Rays, they want flexibility. They don't want guys who are kind of blocking up that roster spot and they can't do anything with them. But I think this will decrease the value of the the AAA shuttle. Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah. The, the, but yeah. on the the absolute flip side of that, you, you're absolutely right. But on the flip side of that, 
you're going to leave guys down there instead of bringing them up. Yes, you might be keeping some guys on the roster, but now you're getting forced to leave guys down there. You're like, I don't want him up here. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Those players are, are probably not going to be represented. You know, some yeah, of those, yeah. those pitchers are, are not in the MLB PA yet because they haven't made their major league debut. Yeah. So it may cut down on jobs in that regard. And, and if they're not part of the, the MLB PA already, then they probably aren't going to get their voice heard. No, true. Um, and the next one uh, is, is again, going to hit the MLB PA. I'm not sure they're going to get this one through. Um, the most dramatic change, however, will be the three batter minimum for starting pitchers and relievers. Um, the rule as it applies to starters would prevent the situation, as we discussed earlier, that occurred in the uh, game five of the NLCS when the Brewers used left-hander Wade Miley, huzzah, for only one batter before removing him for right-hander Brandon Woodruff in a game the Dodgers won 5-2. The introduction of the opener last season produced only five regular season games in which starting pitchers faced fewer than three hitters, according to data compiled from Baseball Reference. Baseball's far greater concern is a slow pace that results from managers using multiple relievers in an inning to gain a platoon advantage, especially late in games. Um... Uh, sorry, I'll just continue this bit because it's quite important. Uh, in baseball's view, the limit on reliever usage would only become more necessary with the introduction of a 26-man roster and will be once discouraged teams from using an extra roster spot on another bullpen arm. Um, yes, they would want to do that because they're already worried about too many pitchers on a roster. Um, but straight away, I was thinking of that Lugie guy that's that's there just for that one left-hander that comes in. Um, and... I think, again, it's going to be another tough sell because you're going to be getting a lot of guys where you're like, well, I've got him for one hitter, one specific hitter that I'm looking for throughout the season. And yes, he can come in and do some work, but he's really useful for one hitter. If now you've got to bring him in for three hitters. Um, and again, this is going to come into um, lineup construction. That's suddenly going to become seriously important in your lineup construction. And it, I think the the... Once again, the marginal relievers, those guys, and the the, the the very much the specialists are going to be struggling here to to hold down a job if this rule does come in. Yeah, it definitely will affect them. I I think to a certain extent, the way that teams are managing pitching now has has done this a little bit anyway. Um, the kind of the peak age of the reliever, and you can read more about this in one of my player comments in the Baseball Prospectus Annual. Quick plug. Um, but but the the Randy Choate, the the Javi Lopez, that kind of guy, they've been going away anyway because teams are not getting enough innings from their starting pitchers to actually afford to use guys for just one batter a lot of the time. You can't be burning a pitcher like that. If you bring in your starter and you say, right, we want to get you twice through the order and then you're out and it's four and two thirds innings, you can't really be bringing in guys for one batter that often because you'll get to the end of the game. We've seen some managers do this and cock it up, but you'll you know, be in the eighth inning and suddenly go, oh, my bullpen's nearly empty and the scores are tied and what am I going to do now? So I think to a certain extent that the way that pitching is going, teams need their pitchers to face more than one hitter anyway. So I think this might be less of an issue than, than you might think. I think the Lugie is dying out a bit because teams can't afford it. Um, but that said, there are a lot of problems with this. And I think the most obvious one is, you know, what do you do if the guy is getting hurt or, you know, he, he's used to throwing 25, 30 pitches and he's used that up on his first two hitters and he hasn't got either of them out. Are you supposed to then say, oh, he's got to stay out there and, and keep facing guys? Or are you allowed to to bring him in and, and bring someone else? You know, so I've seen people suggest 
two batters instead. I've seen people say, well, they have to finish the inning, but you don't have to make them come out and then face another guy the next inning if they haven't faced three batters already. Things like this, um, which would certainly stop those appearances where you've just got one guy comes in and, yeah, he gets a grounder and he goes out again. Uh, even worse if he doesn't get the out, you know. <laughs> then, <laughs> then you've burned the pitching change and you've, you've still got three outs to get. Uh, so it would certainly cut down on that kind of thing. But I think there's a lot of kinks to work out with, with this one that would be, yeah, quite complex, certainly from a, an injury point. How do you prove that somebody was or wasn't hurt? Because I think all pitches are at least a little bit hurt all of the time. And who's to judge whether you should be allowed to, to bring a guy out or not because you think he's going to get more injured? Yeah, let me um, find the... I had a bit of a conversation with... Um... I'm going to find them first on Twitter. Uh, the Beer and Mitt podcast, uh, sorry, the Ball and Mitt podcast, um, uh, talking about that that fact about the pitchers being hurt. Um, and I said, uh, what would that be then? Would it be a ball added to the count? Because I haven't seen these proposed rules. So would it be a ball added to count? And they've put, now I believe it was the pitcher would be removed. Uh, the pitcher that was, was removed would not be able to play in the next game or two which seems quite extreme because if they've just tweaked something and they're ready to come back in the next game, that's quite harsh, especially if they only face one batter. Um, I, I think you're right on the tweaking the rules as well, because if you're looking at, um, yeah, you know, you need to finish the inning. You could still have your one hitter guy though, couldn't you? Cause he could come in with one, with two outs, get that last guy out and then he's done. And you're like, well, you've kind of gone back to where we were then. As long as you get the first two out, you're then straight away into a, a, a one batter guy and that's it. Um, two two seems to make a bit more sense to me. I think three's a bit extreme, especially like you say, if it's a a reliever who um, is not used to throwing that much. I mean, realistically, he could be going fifteen pitches per hitter. Like, well, that's probably a bit extreme, actually. Probably more like sort of seven, maybe eight pitches per hitter. If there's a few foul offs there, um, and if he's not used to going that much each 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 inning uh, or each outing for himself, that could be quite straining on him for the rest of the the, the season. Um, I'll be honest I don't really mind the rule Um, I'll be quite content if it comes in I just I'm not convinced that players are going to buy into it and and like it straight away I think like you say it needs tweaking and um, at least a bit of adjustment and chat through uh, the players and the the, the uh, sorry the um, MLB themselves Um, I think that's pretty much it from the article unless you can drag anything else out of it Darius uh, no, I think that's uh, that's probably covered the main points. I'm sure we will hear more about this. I, I don't think this will be the final proposal by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. And yeah, as, as we've uh, said, this has come pretty close to the start of the season, really. So I'm guessing that if anything gets implemented, it will be significantly watered down over what's in this article right now. Yeah, um, I mean, this is obviously Ken Rosenthal just just reporting on what he's heard or what he's chatted through with sources and stuff. So, yeah, I think 2019 is uh, pretty solid at the moment. But then again, wasn't the man visits rule brought in prior to spring training, just prior to spring training last year? I yeah, think I it was this sort of time, wasn't it? Year, yeah. yeah. So, so there might be something coming, but um, hopefully nothing too drastic. Uh, Trans some listener questions. Should we do those? Let's do it. Uh, so Russell Eason, he asks us, uh, currently, it looks like Rookie of the Year awards are going to be between um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Jimenez in the AL and Tatis Jr. and Robles in the NL. Who are you picking? Do you have an outsider choice for either? I have done zero prep for this. So, Darius, have you done any prep at all for this? 
not specifically for this. Uh, <laughs> I have have some names in in mind anyway, though, um, that I can probably come up with. Uh, so I can I can certainly um, offer a few thoughts while you. I don't know. Are you going to look down a list and just guess? Uh, at, at, you know, like pick a name at random. I wouldn't even know where to start looking. Is there a list of rookies for this season that are going to be in the majors? I mean, I, I, I don't even like, know if Tatis Junior is going to get there. I mean, there's plenty of chat saying he's definitely, definitely coming, and Kinsler's going to slide across and make room, etc. But it doesn't seem like there's. It's definitely, definitely going to happen. So I'll be very surprised. I think one thing with the the rookie of the year is it's often the guy who gets a pretty significant chunk of the season. So yeah. if they were to call Tatis up in, you know after the all-star break for example it's pretty difficult to win uh gary sanchez the year he he came up went absolutely bananas for two months but i think the voters just decided it, it wasn't a big enough sample i uh, yeah. think like in the year that michael former won it who was up almost all year for the tigers um so stuff like that i think it, it may well be a guy that you you know don't really know at all you know not a, a high-end pitching prospect but just a guy who comes up and pitches 160 innings and has a 3-5 era uh that that kind of thing happens quite a lot and if you look at the rookie of the year winners over the years there's some great names in there but there's also some guys you're like what now so <laughs> <laughs> that's something to bear in mind i think um a guy, I think, who, who's probably not a huge sleeper, but Jesus Luzardo. Uh, anybody who's sat down and looked at the Oakland A's pitching staff right now, uh, it, it is interesting. It's probably even more dire a situation than, than last year when they somehow figured it out, even though they shouldn't have been able to. Don't, uh, don't ask me to name one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Luzardo, um, Susan Slasser was on the Effectively Wild preview for the A's earlier. She was saying she has a pretty strong feeling he's going to be up most of the year if if not on the opening day roster and looking at their pitching staff i can believe it because they need pitching uh he's a, a frontline guy um i think he could be a really really good starter and we've seen these guys take a little while to figure it out but we've also seen guys just come up and, and do it right away so he's somebody i'd watch out for uh i think peter alonso for the mets i know we'll have some mets fans listening a uh, lot of strikeout issues but if he figures it out quickly um, and, and the Mets actually let him play from fairly early in the season. I think he could be a contender. Um, so those are a, a couple of guys that, that I would consider in each league. Um, but there's there's so many prospects these days. Somebody will get a chance. Someone's going to get injured in the spring and we'll get to see a prospect maybe a bit earlier than we expected. Or we'll see a, you know, a Kyle Hendricks type who everybody just thought was like a back-end starter come up and really shock everybody. Um, there's There's tons of guys out there. And I think we'll, we'll see probably uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, in spring training, we get one that team, you know, that, that has three or four injuries in, in similar spots and suddenly you're like, oh, what are they going to do? And they'll they'll turn to a prospect to, to try and fill the gaps. Yeah. So, um, yeah, plenty, plenty of candidates. But Russell's obviously identified the, the prime guys and, and Vlad, as long as, as long as the Jays aren't completely ridiculous, will be up in mid-April. So if he's as good as, as we think he will be, then he should be the front runner. Yeah, I think so. Uh, just to be out there, I'll just throw in Carl Tucker for the Astros. I found a list, yeah. so I'm just going to read off some time. names for the Astros. And uh, just for Ben, I'm going to say Brendan Rogers for the Rockies. Um, another <laughs> name I did notice is something that I've I've realised. I'm listening to some like prospect podcasts and listening to some fancy podcasts recently. No one's really talking about Luis Urias anymore uh, for the Padres. I know he didn't have the the most electric of arrivals last season. 
But he was the number one prospect for the projects for a long time and also stayed quite high in the top 10. Um, no one seems to be chatting about him at all. And just going on to our fancy baseball sort of thing, I think he might be a sneaky good second baseman to pick up for next season. I think Urias is kind of suffering from sort of the, the lack of upside thing. I think he's, you know, not got super loud power and he's not going to yeah, steal okay. 30 bases and people think he might take a little while to figure it out with the batting average. And so they're all a bit like, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe it's not time yet for him. Um, yeah. So that that's a problem, I think. Uh, Nick Senzel on the Reds is somebody else I should yes. mention. A- yeah, again, yeah. not a really a sleeper guy. He's a top 10 prospect, but... Yeah. He should have played last year. He's he's absolutely ready to come in and join the majors. So I think we'll see him very quickly. And, and he's a candidate in the NL to, to win Rookie of the Year as well. Uh, not jumping ahead to other podcasts. I'm really looking forward to watching the Reds next year, this year. I think it could, could be quite good. If they can sort out some starting pitching, they could be quite good. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a terrific lineup. And yeah, all they need is to get a bit of pitching. You know, maybe Gray figures it out a little bit. You yeah, know, yeah. Back to being a, at least a, a above average pitcher um we could see something from them and, and we were just talked about the a's last year you know we thought their pitching staff was a disaster and they figured it out so i think the reds offense is such that if they could just get a, you know two or three of those pitchers to have a, a decent season you could see them in the wildcard race certainly yeah definitely um yeah because that division is not looking that great this year so it could be quite interesting to what happens there apart from the brewers obviously <laughs> Sorry, Cubs fans. Um, so we got one from uh, Paul Hepburn. He says, as time goes on, I get the impression that Manny Machado isn't happy with the teams wanting him and trying to hold out for a big team. Um, I'll maybe call it being in a huff. Do you agree with this? <laughs> and how do you think it will play out for him? I reckon in some of the White Sox with the buyout after two, three years. Um, working reverse on that, I think there's going to be a buyout after two, three years. I don't think he's going to get this mega contract that he's looking for because I don't think anyone's willing to pay it. And once again, coming back to the CBA, with that coming up, I don't think he's going to be that interested in such a huge deal because of what could happen in the CBA. Um, So I I don't know if he's holding out for a big team. There are plenty of teams that are in on him and plenty of teams that are interested. But maybe he's just not getting the offers that he wants. Um, I think that player option and definitely a player option, including our team option around that two, three year point is, it would be a fair point for, uh, for him to hold out for. Um, uh, how do I think it will play out for him? I, I think he's still going to get sort of five, six years. I don't know if he was pushing for a 10 year deal or something. I seem to remember seeing that early on, but I think he's going to get five, six years and it's going to be pretty big. I don't know if it's going to be the biggest contracts. So I still think that's going to go to Bryce Harper. Yeah, we haven't heard an awful lot in terms of actual money on Harper. There's been a couple of figures thrown around, certainly for that that White Sox team <laughs> for Machado, which even then we had different reports. Um, but I think you know it topped out at what eight two fifty something like that. Uh, so yeah, I think Harper is certainly looking for more than that. Um, but the thing is, these guys are so young that they could take the four or five year deal, and they'll still be in their early thirties. Yeah. Um, and so they could come back out and, you know, hopefully the, the new CBA will have been put through and, and maybe will be in a different financial market again and, and they might get a better deal. Or it could be even worse. We, we don't know. <laughs> it could be like Mike Mustakas who thought, I'll go around again. You know, I'll take my one-year deal. I'll come back. And here he is sat here and he's probably going to sign with somebody for six million because <laughs> once again, nobody wants to, to give him what he wants. So, 
Well, we if, just don't if, know. If the Padres don't get Machado, they're definitely getting Mustakas because Hosmer has been chomping at the bit for him Ty, for so Ty long. France, Tom. Ty France is playing. Ty France is all the, he's all the boy. <laughs> You look at the Padres' depth chart, it's literally got Ty France, and that's it. You're I, like, oh dear. I took Ty France about the 1200th pick uh, in <laughs> FWFBU 30 team dynasty draft, and most people in the league were like, who is Ty France? <laughs> and the only they reason I picked him was because I've been doing the Padres' depth chart, and I was like, they haven't got a third baseman. They I think Ty France, <laughs> they don't do anything. Ty France is playing third base for this team. Yes. It's going to be an awful lineup if they don't do anything. So remember the name, everybody. When, when Ty France walks out there on opening day, stand <laughs> at the hot corner for the Padres. <laughs> so you have Fran Mil Reyes, Frenchie Cordero, Ty France. And they're going for all the Fs. I like it. <laughs> um, Rob Newell, he says, has this been the most boring... Uh, sorry, has this been the worst, most boring off-season ever with incessant flimsy rumours rumors churning round and round Twitter, plus with a huge amount of quality free agents still out there without a team? Does this now prove that the whole free agent waiver process is broken? Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's been a boring off-season. I know we've, we've said it's been very quiet, but I think that we've sort of had periods of trades and rushing of, of stuff happening, and it sort of goes quiet. And I think in my mind, because you've got that constant stream of Twitter and rumours and everything coming at you constantly, and you know, you've got notifications on your phone from everybody trade rumours, oh, who's in on this guy? We just had this rumour, this is going on. Because this is all happening, it's like it's almost like I want something now, I want something every day, I want something happening. And I kind of compared it to the old days of um football transfer rumors when you'd hear it from a bloke down the pub and that was it there was nothing else there was no twitter there's nothing you just dealt with it you're like oh that's that's what i've heard from this bloke down the pub his mates the you know boot boy for somebody and and he heard them chatting about it so i think we're sort of spoiled with the information we just get fed constantly and because we're very much a, a, a now society we want it now we want netflix now we want this we want this in fact recently uh, boring story but i'm going to tell it anyway we changed our internet and we had 24 hours where we just had normal television. Trying to explain that to my children who have been used to Netflix and constant, instant programming, whatever they want, was so difficult. And I think that's just where we're at at the moment. I really think that the off-season has been fine. It's been okay. Yes, it's been a bit dull. And we've put some polls out there saying, is this the worst off-season ever? And we all ham it up a bit. But I think realistically thinking about it it's been fine it's only because there's two big name free agents still out there and everyone's waiting for them to sign um not forgetting obviously craig kimball as well yeah of course i I think harper and machado have created this perception to a certain extent because so much of this offseason has been where are harper and machado going and it's the 6th of february and we still don't know and everybody's a bit fed up now. I think I've seen a lot of people over the last few days saying, I just don't care anymore. Just sign somewhere. And, you know, let's get on. Pitches and catches are reporting in a few days. <laughs> people just want to know who's on what team and, and to get on with the season now, I think. Uh, so I, I kind of get why it's that feeling. Um, we had like those trades like right at the start of the off season. And I yeah. think kind of also felt like, oh, things are happening. Here we go. <laughs> well, actually, like nobody had signed any free agent contracts. It was just like, oh, we've had some trades and the Reds and the Dodgers have made a trade and, and all this. Uh, so it mm-hmm. kind of felt like it was an exciting start and then nothing happened, I think. Um, in response to the latter part of his question, I think, as we've alluded to already, the, the system is a bit broken. Teams are changing their approaches to free agency and 
owners are you know they, they've got a different agenda and some of them are, are just trying to make money i think and i think there's also an, an aspect of you know front offices thinking well we don't need to spend this much money we can get pretty comparable value just from calling up our minor leaguers who we can yeah. pay five hundred and seventy five thousand dollars or whatever it is instead of you know 30 million a year for bryce harper so yeah there's a problem uh, i think that problem is probably going to come to a, a head uh, in the next three years and uh, it could get pretty messy and i think the owners probably think that they can kind of win the pr battle a bit as well now i think back when it was <clears throat> there was no free agency and the players didn't really get anything it was a bit easier for people <laughs> to say oh you know that the players are getting shafted here when you've got you know Manny Machado getting offered 250 million and saying he wants more money I think a lot of fans do find that a bit hard to relate to even if the owners are making billions uh, yeah. they still think well this is plenty of money so you should be happy with it um, I don't think that's the, the right attitude to have uh, but I can see why people think that because that's still a hell of a lot of money uh, in a vacuum so I, I can see why, where people are coming out with that and uh, yeah it's it's been frustrating because we've got these guys who are some of the best players in baseball and you would think that teams would be jumping all over them to, to sign and it kind of feels like they haven't really and scott boris has probably got something to do with it too um we, we can't rule that out you just don't know what what kind of office they've had really and and what he's pushing for um but there was talk is, of harper being the the 400 million contract before the season i, I don't think we're going to see that now no, I don't think it's going to happen. But remember, Boris has got his secret binders. So um, all those binders filled with secret information that no one else knows. Um, <laughs> yeah, talking, I, I, I understand why people get annoyed with baseball players going, um, I, I've got 250 million, but I want 251. Um, I understand why people get annoyed, but <clears throat> it comes back to the old argument of if you're in a job that's competitive and if you don't keep up your standards and your ability and your skills, um, then you're out of a job so you want to be the absolute best that you can be and if you're the absolute best that you can be you want to be paid for that as well you if you're the best in the game you want to be paid more than anyone else because you're the best in the game and you should and teams should want you they should want you for those shirt sales and and, and people that come back and say oh it's a game though i'd love to play a game it's not a game it's a business this is a business people are earning money from this people are making money from this it's creating revenue around the area where people are watching these baseball games. There's so much going into this. I'm not defending billionaire owners. I don't do that. And it always makes me laugh when people do defend billionaire owners because you shouldn't be defending them. You should be defending the players, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, Gavin, who's been writing some excellent three-minute reviews of the uh, different teams this season, comes with a, a completely different a twist on the last question. Puig is a red, Brantley is an astro, Goldschmidt a redbird, Tulo a Yankee, Kikuchi a mariner, uh, Donaldson a Brave, Canoa Met, Grandal a Brewer, and each morning I check to see if Harper, Machado, Kim, Machado, Machado, Kimbrell, uh, Keichel, or Real Muto have a new home. Is this the best off-season ever? <laughs> <laughs> I quite like that because I like the idea of, again, when I had that 24 hours of no internet, the first thing I did was dive into Padres Twitter and said, have they signed Harper yet? No, they haven't. All right. But that, for that 24 hours, I had no idea. So I, I sat there just wondering, going, I haven't got a clue. It's not like I could switch on BBC News and they're going to announce Bryce Harper signing for whoever because it's not interested. But it was like the old days. It was like, I, I don't know what's going on. And I, I, I can't find out. I'm just embracing this moment and enjoying it. And I think 
I kind of see Gavin's point. It's quite fun in that sense because there's all these rumors. There's MLB the show saying big announcement and then do a Bartolo Cologne video. And it's it's quite fun in that sense because um, we're not we're not finding out and they're just dragging it out. And yes, people are getting pissed off. But when people find out, we can all move on. And then we'll all be going, oh, do you remember all that when everyone was talking about all these different things? And it's almost like LeBron and his decision that he made when he went to Miami. And it was just going on for so long. And everyone was getting really annoyed. But they were looking at everything like, oh, LeBron's followed such and such on Instagram. It means he's definitely going there. And we've already seen it with Machado. He's already he followed the Yes Network. And everyone's like, he's definitely going to the Yankees. And then that got turned off completely. Um, Harper puts out his tweet the other day. It just said loading dot, dot, dot. And because I end up looking at Padres Twitter quite a lot, you should have seen the theories that were coming out for that. Someone even put up the Morse code table and showed that dot, dot, dot in Morse is S. And obviously the first letter in San Diego Padres is S. (laughs) So he's definitely going there. I loved it. I put a tweet out saying he could have tweeted boot polish and people would have come out with anything to make them convinced that he's going to their team. And I, I, I quite liked it. Yeah, this I think depends a lot on how you consume anything, really. What what kind of experience you like to have? <laughs> um, I, that kind of reminds me a bit like uh, of Lost, where people would just come up with theories about <laughs> everything, like literally everything. Like they'd see a logo for like a tenth of a second, and they'd be like, "Oh, look at that! This means that this is happening." And <laughs> blah blah. And you know what? People really hated it when they found out what actually happened. You know, people didn't like the mysteries to be resolved because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a Phillies fan and you want Bryce Harper and actually this gets resolved and he goes yeah. and, and signs with the Yankees, you're just going to be furious. Is that better? I, I don't know if that's better. Has that made you think this offseason was great? Probably not. So, you know, there's <laughs> there are downsides to knowing as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is you can just go away, uh, you know, go and learn an instrument, yeah. spend some time with your family. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of other baseball on. Caribbean series is on right now. We had an article at BP last week, uh, how to watch the Caribbean series. Uh, some of the best teams in, in that area are, are playing each other right now. So there's loads of baseball out there. You can watch the ABL. Um, that was uh, was going on over the last few weeks. Uh, I watched some of that on YouTube uh, with their championship series. So th- there's baseball on all year round. You can find it. Yes, it's not Major League Baseball, but it's still great fun. Uh, there's a lot. The fans are really excellent in the Caribbean series as well. I have to say that they are going nuts for it. So if you don't want to deal with the rumors, just don't go on MLB trade rumors. You know, <laughs> maybe don't go on Twitter because that's the kind of place Twitter is. Just yeah. go and, and find something else to do. And, and, you know, in a month we'll be we'll be almost there. Yeah, you're so right. Um, or you could do what I've done in the past when the during the season when there's no games on. Just put a tweet out and say, can anyone recommend a game for me to watch? And then people have sent me different games. I said, just send me the game and the date so I can search it on YouTube. Don't tell me what happens. And then I've sat there and watched it. And it's been brilliant because you've ended up seeing something you never thought you were going to see. And um, it's just quite enjoyable. Problem is, Darius, with your space brain, you'd just be knowing every single game. So you wouldn't wouldn't really work for you unless you pick something from the 1930s or something. Probably didn't have cameras then. Um, yeah, I don't think there are that many games for the night <laughs> on YouTube. You can't go that far back on the dates on MLB at bat just keep clicking (laughs) wasn't it get to 1930 uh we're coming up to an hour we need to hurry up right second question from gavin um how much is the not johnny hustle comments and the dirty player slating for um from the mvp cost machado um i don't think it's cost him anything i I don't think teams care i really don't think they do 
Um, kind of going back to an episode way long ago when we first started this podcast, when we talked about, we didn't really go into details, but I suppose we could now because we feel a bit more confident. Um, what what crimes could players get away with and then still get a major league contract and still earn money? Um, I think Machado can say what he likes and teams just go, I don't care what he says, he brings us wins. I don't give a toss. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's been a, probably a convenient excuse, I'm sure, that that's been fed to some reporters and, you know, put out there by maybe some, uh, you know, ownership groups and, and things like that, you know, to kind of maybe excuse why they're not in on a player. But I, I don't buy that it's affected Machado at all. He's one of the best, you know, 10 players on the planet. Uh, teams do not care. Uh, teams have signed much worse players who have done much worse things than Manny Machado. And I don't think it has affected it at all. Yeah. Not interested. Um, Mark Blakemore, this is the last one. He says, uh, how many of Machado, Harper, Kimbrell and Keuchel remain unsigned into March? I'm going to say Keuchel is unsigned into March. I think he's heading down that Jake Arrieta route um, and he's going to get signed very, very late. Yeah, uh, I was actually talking to uh, John about this and um, suggested that like Keuchel is a guy that teams like the A's who desperately need the pitching could just try and come in with the low ball offer at the end and say, you know what? Yeah, we'll give you a few year deal, but we're going to yeah. give you, you know, six or seven million less per year than you wanted. Um, and he's going to take it because the the market is such that uh, they can do that. Um, so I, I could easily see him lasting out there for a while. Uh, we saw this happen with Jake Arrieta last year. Um, you know, he was, he was still out there in March, I believe, because yeah. he, was, he wasn't quite ready to start the season, was he? Cause no. he hadn't been in spring training at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I could absolutely see Keichel out there. Um, <laughs> I hope poor Mike Moustakas gets a job soon <laughs> <laughs> after a second this season doing this. But he does seem to be kind of falling into that gap where, like, he's not a plus defender and his bat isn't so good that everybody's desperate to have him. Uh, and it, the, the market just obviously isn't there for him. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're only three weeks away from March now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I see Kimbrell getting signed. Someone's going to pay for him. And I think that's probably going to be a team that ends up losing somebody in uh, spring training, like you said. As soon as spring training starts and we start seeing pitchers going down, um, I think that's the way it's going to happen. Um, Harper and Machado are going to sign in the coming days, I reckon. I don't think it's going to be long at all. Um, my Twitter hasn't exploded, so it definitely hasn't happened while we're recording. Apparently, uh, well, the Phillies are back in on J- JT Real Muto, and Miami would like to wrap up a deal before its fan fest this Saturday. So oh, okay. Take, well, make, make of that what you will, but uh, well, we all we all know do that in, in three days. We all know after watching the um, debacle that is Brexit, if you give somebody a deadline, they can just sit on their hands and go, "Tell you what, we'll wait. You you worry about your deal. We'll sit here and wait. It's fine." So, yeah, Marlins have worked from a strong position there by giving them a deadline. Perfect. So the Phillies will go Friday night. It's, it, it's this or nothing. It's up to you. Good good job, Derek. Um, I think we should wrap up. That's an hour. Um, okay. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, hopefully it was of interest to you i think that ken rosenthal uh, article is very very interesting if you haven't got the athletic do go and sign up and do go and look out some um discount codes because they are out there and you can get it for a lot cheaper than i've just paid this year because it also renewed and i forgot um so make sure you look out for those discount codes and um, darius where can people find you on twitter 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DariusA64, uh, mostly tweeting about fantasy stuff, really. Um, you know, Mostly I tweet out links to my articles, but as we said on the fantasy pod, if you ask us questions, we will be more than happy to help as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, BP Annual is, it's out in America, isn't it? Is it shipping in the UK yet, do we know? It's, it's printed. I've seen pictures of the printed annual. I don't know if it's shipping here in the UK yet, but yeah, it's it's basically on its way um, very soon. So that's extremely exciting. Uh, I'm, I, I did the Cubs comments for people who didn't hear that on the previous pod. And I'm very excited about who's written the essay in my chapter as well. I won't spoil it for people who are going to open the book. But uh, needless to say, you're, you're going to see a name that you did not expect to see. And it's uh, going to be a lot of fun. It's a really good essay. Wow. I'm very excited about that. I might try and eke it out of you in the Slack chat later. Um, <laughs> oh, in fact, no. Do you know what? I'm going to have that surprise. Yeah, I'm going to be that bloke yeah, down the pub back in might... the 80s. <laughs> you can try, but it might, might be fun to open the book and see this person's name above mine. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. I want, I want to find out when I open the book. Um, yeah, I wasn't planning to buy it this year, but because Darius was writing the comments, I was like, I've got to get a copy of that. That's amazing. Um, so, yeah, very exciting news. Um, you can find me at Pajoya's Face, uh, but more importantly, you can go to at Batflips underscore nerds um, on our Twitter. You can find us on batflipsandnerds.com, where we've got plenty of writing going on at the moment. Um, Gavin is pumping out the articles like crazy, which is fantastic. Um, there's going to be some stuff coming from me soon, hopefully, on a new project I'm working on. Um, so look out for that. Everyone's going to be really excited. It's going to draw so many views that I'm just going to split away from Blackfrips and Nerds. Um, <laughs> when it comes out, you'll you'll understand why that's not going to be the case. Um, <laughs> I, I would say you will split away from Blackfrips and Nerds because uh, John will have planted a swift boot in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if he's not watching, um, what was it called again? Breakfast? No, um, Beak. Beak. Not watching Beak. Greater than symbol. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, if I can find some Beak, I'll put it as the outro music. Um, I probably won't. So, bye everyone. <laughs>